great to see you. If you've never met, my name is Jay. I'm a part of the team here. I know we got folks still coming in. There are some seats right here, uh, mostly just right here. And then this entire front row, you guys, right in front of me is open. <laughs> it's always open every Sunday. So if anyone wants to join me up here. <laughs> um, yeah, if we've never met, my name is Jay. I'm part of the team here. And uh, this is Steve. We're going to hear from him here in a few moments. But if you are new to our church, first of all, welcome. We are so, so glad you are here. I just want to give you full disclosure. Typically here at Westgate, we are teaching, we're deep diving into the Bible and into theological ideas and cultural ideas and what it all means for our lives and how we might find hope and meaning and joy and purpose in Jesus. And we're going to continue doing that the next few weeks. But I also want you to know the next few weeks, we're going to have a family conversation as a church family. So if you are new, that is okay. It's actually more than okay. The next few weeks, if you're new, this is a sort of peek behind the curtain. What are these people all about? And that begins today. So to begin, I want to tell you a quick story. In the 1950s, the very early 1950s, there was a woman named Mildred Schultz, and she was attending Calvary Church of Los Gatos, dear friends of ours still to this day. And she and her family and some friends uh, lived here on the west side of San Jose. And as they were attending Calvary in Los Gatos, they started to sense that God was asking them to start a church right here on the west side of San Jose, to begin, give birth to a Jesus community right here where we're sitting right now in West San Jose. And so with the support of Calvary Church and the sacrificial sort of resources of herself and her family and her friends, in 1952, Mildred and her family and friends launched First Baptist Church of Quito Road. I want to show you the image of the very first bulletin of the very first worship service at First Baptist Church of Quito Park. It was actually First Baptist Church of Quito Park. And you can barely see it here, but if you could see it closer, you would realize that the title of the very first sermon ever given at First Baptist Church of Quito Park was given by Pastor J.H.L. Hawkins, awesome name, awesome mid-20th century name. And the title of the sermon was, Why Are We Here? Why are we here? This was 70 years ago. First Baptist Church of Quito Park eventually became Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church, and Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church eventually became the place where Westgate Church, our church, this church, was born. And for 70 years, Jesus followers here, and now as a part of this multi-congregational church that we are in South Hills and at Casa de Fe, we have been trying our best to respond to that question from Pastor Dr. Hawkins. Why are we here? And for the next few weeks, you and I together are going to explore what our elders and our leadership team here over the course of a couple of years of prayer and fasting and many discussions what we have come to believe is an important next step for our church family to continue faithfully responding to that question, why are we here? So again, if you're a part of our church family, these next few weeks are a family conversation and an invitation. If you are new to our church, this is a peek behind the curtain. You're going to get to see what sort of church we are and what sort of church we desire to be. But before we can talk about what we sense God is asking us to try to do, we want to talk a bit 
about where we've been. And so Steve's gonna share a few thoughts on where have we been. From 52 to 1993, this, this congregation existed eventually from Quito Park to Saratoga Avenue Baptist Church. And in 1993, when the attendance of that church had dwindled uh, to a significant degree, the group of people there made a, a gigantic step of faith. And that step of faith was they relinquished control of the facility that they had at 1735 Saratoga Avenue. And they gave it to a group of young folks who were coming down from Los Altos to start a new church in the Campbell area. It began in 93 to be called Westgate Community Bible Church, just to make sure we had all the names in case we ever wanted them. It quickly became Westgate Church, and that is when uh, the Cliffords showed up in 2001. Unbeknownst to me, actually, until just a few months ago, I had never seen that bulletin you just saw. And the first sermon I preached here in June of 2001 had a big question across the front. The title of the sermon was, Why Are We Here? Shut up. <laughs> are you kidding? I continue to preach that sermon about every June um, for, the next, for the next 12 or 14 years. And then it became part of our, our regular um, Discover Westgate. And if those of you who went back through Discover Westgate back pre-J, it used to say, why are we here? And there was two blanks right on there on the first, and it was to make disciples. And we have been pursuing that process ever since. When I came to Westgate, it was a pretty unique situation because vision, everybody wanted to know my vision, and they were pretty discouraged when I said to them, I don't really have one yet. I've got this mission about why we're here. I don't have a vision yet. I've got to feel like we've got to get to know one another to see what God is birthing in us before I can really tell you what that might be. And, but I did have, they had questions, other questions for me, and this question was, is, was um, pretty intimidating. And it happened over and over again in my meetings as I, as I campaigned or did whatever they do to get to know me so they could hire me. Um, and they would ask me, okay, Steve, if you come, what are you going to change? What changes? And I remember saying, I'm not sure what changes, but we're definitely going to do more for the world. We have got to develop a generous spirit. And what I realized was we didn't have to develop it. It was already there. All I had to do was speak to it because every time I said that, people would applaud. People would agree. They would affirm that we, we need to be known for our generosity. And so another question birthed, and I began to ask them. It was disturbing how it played out. Some of you know this story. I began to ask them, if we burned down, if Westgate burned down to the ground and went away, would anybody that doesn't go here care? And the answer unanimously was that no. No one really knew us that well. Schools didn't know us. The government didn't know us. Or even our neighbors didn't really know us that well. So we began to go about the process of saying, okay, Facility needs work. Yeah, we're going to have to change some things. This wasn't here. Um, the children's building wasn't here. But we've got some things in front of us. Let's go to work on trying to meet our neighbors and see what it looks like to love them.
So that's a bit about where we've been. Let's talk, because this is what you all want to know. It's like, okay, what are you talking about exactly? Let's talk about what's next and why. Again, to address that, we have to begin with the vision and the mission of our church, and Steve already said it. If you've been around for a while, you know this about our church family. This church exists to be and to make disciples of Jesus, students, apprentices who are learning and living the way of Jesus in all of life, in the real world, right here in Silicon Valley. And to put it simply, we believe that the way of Jesus, summarized in a word, is the way of love. And so therefore, our church exists to be a people striving to live a life of love with God as we receive God's love and give that love back to him in a life of worship. To love one another, this is exactly what David's talking about when he invites us to join a life group or a mid-sized group or take any other next step into belonging here in our church family, and to be the sorts of people who love our neighbors as ourselves, just as Jesus commanded. This is how you and I, as a church family, respond to the question, why are we here? And for decades now, this church has tried our best to express our love to God, one another, and to our neighbors by extending our time, our energy, our resources for the good of all. And again, after the course of, over the course of a couple of years of prayer and fasting and so many conversations, our elders and our leadership team believe that we have arrived at a place where the next step for our church family is to see if we can extend our space, our actual physical space as an expression of love to our city. So today, um, as you saw on the bumper, we are launching into what we are calling a season called Here to Stay with God for the Good of All. And here to stay in the midst of the transience of Silicon Valley. Like remember, we still live with the heritage of the gold rush. 150, almost 200 years ago, Men and women came to this part of the world to get in, get rich, and get out. And that is still true today. And it's okay. There's a part of you that's like, I'm out of here in three years. We just wanna bless you for these three years that you're here and send you well to wherever God's calling you to go. My hope is that some of us feel like everyone wants to leave, but I'm gonna grow roots here and stay. But here's what I know for sure. Our church is here to stay. We want to be a beacon of light and hope in the midst of the transients, in a way that far outlives every single one of us in this room. And so here to stay is an invitation to everyone who calls Westgate home to pray and to give as able, generously, sacrificially, and in some cases even radically, to blur the geographic lines between our literal physical church and our city. So let me share some of the details. You know that we have multiple locations, but you all, um, and those of you in the theater, are gathered here at our Saratoga campus. So let's talk first and primarily about our Saratoga campus. 
Most of you know that a couple of years ago, a few years ago, we bought the dirt lot facing Prospect Avenue. A couple of years ago, we raised the money to renovate that into a parking lot. It's a slow process, but we're getting there. Got some great updates this week. And so this year, we will renovate that entire giant dirt lot into our brand new parking lot. It will offer us more parking spaces than our current parking lot next to Kidstown and the theater over here. So our desire is to turn, as we have new parking with more parking spaces, is to take the extra space, which is our current parking lot, facing out to Saratoga Avenue, and to renovate that space in the next several years into a warm, welcoming, inviting space that, again, blurs the line between our city and our church. So I'll show you one artist's rendering here. You'll have to imagine Um, On the left there, that little strip of road you see is Saratoga Avenue. The few parking spaces you see on the bottom of the image, that is the new parking lot extending all the way out to Prospect Road. And you can see sort of a four-story building with a large sort of bottom floor retail space facing Saratoga Avenue. Our desire, and we'll have more time to talk about this in the coming weeks. We'll have some question and response meetings that you can attend if you have further details. But our desire is to create a large, versatile retail space to invite a local business. At this point, our best thought is that we would invite a local coffee shop. We're actually in conversations with um, a, a really great local coffee shop that has high interest in partnering with us to rent the space for really low, cheap rent as a blessing to a local business and to create gathering space for many in our city who could care less about the church and about Jesus to spend time here seven days a week on our campus, to rub shoulders with people like you and me, Jesus followers, who might embody light and hope and purpose for those in need. And in addition to that, if we're able to raise the funds to build a multi-use building, the bottom floor being a gathering space both for church events, for our church family, mid-sized gatherings and life groups and on and on, uh, as well as a gathering space for our city, for nonprofits and other um, organizations that need space to meet and to gather, um, to build the middle floors, to create office spaces for our staff. I don't know if you know this, but our staff right now don't really get to gather all in one space because we don't have that office space here. This would allow us to work in a collaborative environment, but more importantly than that, um, to create space for life groups. In the middle of the week, on the weekends, I don't know if you know this, but just a week ago, we had like 60, I think, people, over 60 people sign up for life groups for the very first time. David and his team are like get, launching new life groups all the time. God is doing something here. People are finding belonging, but these groups need spaces to gather, and this would help us to alleviate some of that pressure. And then if we're able to build to a fourth floor, our desire is to build actually small dorm-style residences on the top floor, as well as maybe one proper one or two-bedroom apartment for multiple purposes. One, to begin a pastoral residency program here where we can actually offer free housing to young leaders who want to get into ministry in a place like Silicon Valley where it is almost so cost-prohibitive, it's almost impossible to live here. 
We could also offer that space to potential church planters. Only 8% of Santa Clara County, uh, the 1.87 million people here, only 8% identify as Christian. Westgate alone is not going to do it. We need more dynamic, effective churches. Church planters know the need. They just don't want to come here because they can't afford to live here. What if as a church family in a kingdom move, we could tell a church planter, live here for two years as you get your church up and running for free? We get people in our care office from time to time who are in literally, physically, emotionally unsafe environments, and right now we have to outsource that housing. This would allow us to be able to provide safe shelter to those in need in our city right here at home. Our desire also as a part of this, I'll show you this next photo, is to create a large outdoor seating area that is available to the public. Um, I love almost everything about our church. One of the things that really grates against me, you guys, you don't see it because most of you just show up on Sunday. When I'm here Monday to Thursday, I see wonderful people, but they're all Christians. It's like all of my coworkers, our staff team, and I love them, but there's a part of me that's like, look at this geography that we have in our city, all of this square footage, and there is a, an entire, millions of people far from God who never stepped foot here. And this sort of space would invite the city, whether they believe what we believe or not, to know that our church is a church that desires to build bridges and not build walls. Um, just so you know, at our South Hills Casa de Fe campus, we're looking to do the same thing and build a, a small coffee shop in the front parking lot facing out to our neighbors and our neighborhood, Leland High School, Bret Hart Middle School, Almaden Trail that begins and ends right across the street. We want to invite all of those folks in to spend time with us. And our hope is to create physical space at both of our campuses where lots of people can find welcome and belonging, and we pray over the long haul, the transformative power and presence of Jesus in and through his people. I think a lot about Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. I know it feels a little bit like exile to live in Silicon Valley as a Christian. But God says, seek the peace and prosperity of this place. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now the question becomes, well, Jay, why now? kind of a weird time, like, we, this, you know, it's an election year, financial uncertainty, I don't know, like, why now? Few thoughts. If you read the San Jose Mercury News, you might have seen the article that came out just a few days ago, this week, and seen some of these photos. All around us, literally across the street at El Paseo, and literally right next door at Cato Lot, all of this property around us has been purchased by Sandhill Properties, which is a major developer in the Bay Area. And these are their renderings. These are their plans. This is what is going up in the next several years, literally all around us. High-end uh, retail on the bottom across the street at, at El Paseo with high-end apartments and condos on top. Um, and then right next door at the Cato lot, another five-story residential space. They're thinking right now that it would be like an assisted living uh, space for seniors. Um, all of that is in flux. But what we know is Sandhill is building, essentially, especially across the street at El Paseo, their plans are essentially like a, Santa a bigger Santana Row 2.0. 
So just the residential spaces alone, if you read the article and you do the math, we are going to have, in the next several years, thousands, thousands of literal new neighbors, like actual physical neighbors across the parking lot and across the street. So our church family can do one of two things. We can either tell those neighbors, whatever, you're here, but this is our church space. So you do you, and we're gonna do us. Or we can build bridges. We can tell these neighbors, we are thrilled you're here, and we would love to share our space. You don't have to believe what we believe, but have a good cup of coffee. Sit down with a friend. Do your work when you're working remote, as 90% of you are, right? And so, Steve, um, it's about more than just what is happening, that our city is converging. It, it is about urgency and passion and timing. So Steve's going to share a few thoughts on what will it cost for us to do nothing. It's quite crazy how things are aligning again in this area. It was 20 years ago when the community of people at Westgate were attempting to raise the funds to build this building, and then after that, the children's building, that Westgate Mall and El Paseo were being remodeled, and all of that was being redone. Those of you who have been around a long time, you remember when Westgate Mall was just a strip mall and, and both sides of the street, and they were all being remodeled, and here we sat um, kind of trying to figure out what to do. And so as we think about that, and as we look at, um, I have to tell you, every generation of people in this community is going to have challenges, and time is flying by. It's been two years since Jay and I stood together on this stage, two years, when I handed him a silly little baton and said, good luck. <laughs> 20 years, 20 years since Dane and I were a part of a uh, the move to try to change this facility because we had decided back then, one of the very first questions as an elder board was, we had decided we are here to stay. We're going to stay right here. And so now, what does it cost? What does it look like? How do we do that? Well, at the time, we were completely intimidated about what it was going to be like to maximize this facility and take care of the, the worship center needs and the children's needs. We were completely intimidated and couldn't, couldn't really get the courage up to tell the church about it. And we had an elder of another church come and visit us, and we, were, he, we kept talking about what it's going to cost, what it's going to cost, what it's going to cost, and he just blew our minds with one little question. What's it cost to not build? What do you say by not building? Now, I, the, this picture may not work for you, but the, the way it looks like for me is, if you've seen the Disney film Up, I think it's a Disney film, and there's an old grumpy guy who's been, stuff has been built all around him, and he just, he just wants out. And he, so he gets a bunch of balloons and puts them on his house, and up they go. Here's the problem. Only Jesus can do that for us. We can't, if he, if he comes down and gets us and takes us away, amen. I'm for it. But until then, we're staying. And the best we can, we're going to 
have to represent Christ to the people around us? What's it going to cost to not build? What's that going to say? I know as Jay comes and tells you the numbers, you're going to go, oh, man, I just don't know. I, let me just tell you, we felt exactly the same about 20 years ago. Yeah. So let's talk about this. What will it cost? We believe that um, all of the building projects at all of our locations, to build all of that, this is an estimate. It will change as time moves on. We think to do everything, and maybe we don't do everything, but to do everything, we think it'll cost about $16 million, which is a big, giant number. Joe, you can um, hold off on that slide so I can explain it in a moment. But here's the thing. Before we build here, before we build here, this is really key. This is actually why I didn't want you to see that slide just yet. Before we build, we want to keep radical generosity right in front of us. So yes, we think it'll cost about $16 million one time. It's a lot of money. But before we do that, again, lots of prayer and discussion over the course of a couple of years. We are committed to giving $2.5 million away during here to stay, those two years. We are committed to giving $2.5 million away each year for the next two years. Here's what you need to know. The most our church has ever given away in a single 12-month period is $2.18 million. So this is audacious, and it's kind of foolish. Why would you try to give more money away while you're trying to raise money to build here? It is because I believe that if we lose sight of radical generosity, we lose sight of who God has called our church to be. So before we build, we will give $2.5 million or $5 million over the next two years away to fund local and global compassion efforts first, and then whatever is left over through God's generosity through all of us, that's what we'll have to build with, which means we'll build the whole thing, or very little, or just bits and pieces. I want to show you a picture here. This is Cherish Hospital in Uganda. Every single day in the name of Jesus in this neighborhood and town in Uganda, there are men, women, and children who are receiving health care, adequate, good health care in ways that they never received before in the name of Jesus. You know why? Because this church family sacrificed years ago to build this hospital. This next photo is UCI in Haiti. It is the best university in the entire country. Some of you know the mom premieres. I have been to UCI in Haiti. I see Mark right here who was just recently out there in the midst of all of the turmoil in Haiti. This university exists primarily because this church family years ago, for some of you, you weren't even here. You weren't a part of this story, but your legacy is that there are men and women who sacrificed to build this university. When you watch the news and all the tragedy happening in Haiti, when a helicopter drops down and Haitian doctors and nurses rush out to come to the aid of those in need, there's a very high percentage that the majority of those doctors studied and graduated from a university you helped build. Beautiful day 
building wells to provide clean water in the name of Jesus, supporting our global and local missionaries, supporting teachers and faculty in public schools all over our city, reaching the underserved populations right here in Cadillac District and other places in our city. This is all work that we are already doing, that you are already doing, and our commitment is to do more of that during Here to Stay, because we are here to stay. And so what does that mean? Joe, you can put that next graphic up, and I'll give you the details here. Again, on the bottom, you see we believe that the building projects will cost about $16 million. And then local and global compassion efforts, we typically give away 1.6 to 1.8 million, but our desire is to first give away 2.5 each year for the next two years. That's 5 million total. And then some of you, most of you, I think, know this, but ministry fund is just our operational fund to keep kids and youth ministry going, to keep the lights on, to have sound and pay our staff, and that costs us about $7 million a year. So what that comes out to over the course of two years is an audacious number. It's $35 million, which is about $17 million, $16, 17000000 million more than just kind of the normal amount that you all give to keep ministry and mission moving here. So that's the target, but it's not the primary target. I'll talk about that in a moment. But let me address an elephant in the room. Some of us are sitting here and we are thinking to ourselves, I knew it. I gave this church a chance, but I knew it. They are just like everyone else. The church just wants my money. If you hear this that way, I understand I have thought this thought as well over the course of several years in just church life growing up. And you don't have to believe me. There's nothing I can do to make you believe me. That's not the point. I'm not driven or motivated by that, but I am driven and motivated by clarity. So let me speak very clearly. We do not want your money. We want your participation, whatever that looks like. This past year in 2023, some of you know this, you saw our year-end review, we had 128 people say yes to Jesus for the very first time in our church. 74 of those were kids and teenagers, 54 adults said yes to Jesus for the first time ever in our church. We had 108 people recommit their lives to Christ and we baptized 99 people. This past year, just one small example, we were able to serve and love and care for, with no questions asked, more than 700 teachers and administrators of public schools right here in our city through our school impact ministry. We gave away more than 90,000 pounds of food through our food pantry ministry to underserved families all throughout our city. I don't share any of that to pat ourselves on the back or to tell you that we're an awesome church. We are not. We don't want to be an awesome church. We just want to be a faithful church. This isn't about buildings. It's about continuing to join God in loving and serving our city and the world. I mentioned this before, but 1.87 million people call Santa Clara County home, and only 8% of them identify as Christians. The Bay Area at large is first in the nation in the total number of unchurched and de-churched residents. There is much work to be done here. And this is simply our best guess at what we sense God is asking us to try to do. 
This is not about trying to raise lots of money. It is about trying to be faithful to join God in, in doing, in trying to do what we sense he is asking to do. So a few next steps for us. First, the key goal of here to stay is, like I said, 100% participation. So let me talk to several different groups of us in the room and watching online and in the theater. First, some of us in this room right now, we are struggling financially. We're actually in need. We see numbers like that and our eyes just glaze over. It's like millions of dollars, Jay. I'm just barely getting by on paying the inordinate amount of rent I have to pay. I don't know how I'm gonna pay rent next month. And there might be the potential risk that if that is you, you feel like guilt or shame. And I just, want to, I just want to tell you, if you're here today or watching online and you are struggling, you're in need, feel no guilt, no shame. And I would encourage you, take courage. Have the courage to treat this church as family. And what does family do? We lean into our complexities and our struggles. So if you have need, lean into your family. Reach out. We have a benevolence fund. We, can, we do this all the time. We can come alongside you, not perfectly, but we will try to come alongside you in your time of need. So if you're here and you're like, Jay, I can barely scrape by. Don't feel guilt. Don't feel shame. Feel courage. And if you need help, let us know. We want to help you. There are some of us in the room who are unsure. We're just like, I don't know. I need more time. I don't know about all of this. I don't know about the money or the buildings or giving more money outside of our walls to you. If you are unsure, I would invite you, pray. Pray. I love the way Steve says it. He's taught me this over the years, that biblical generosity is always a dance between joy and sacrifice. That if your, if your generosity, if your giving is nothing but joy, it's like, oh, this is easy, super fun, party. Just write the check. It's like, easy, to, great. Like, I don't have to think about it. That's probably not really sacrifice. But if your generosity is all sacrifice and no joy, like, oh my gosh, I, I'm just, I'm giving everything away and I don't know how, like I'm stressed and it's all just anxiety and whatever, like I'm just doing this out of guilt. That's not biblical generosity either. If you are unsure then ask God, what is the joyful, sacrificial thing he is asking you to do? And whatever he tells you, just do that. There are some of us in this room who we would say, this church is home. I love it here. I see what God is doing here. And you know what? I'm able. I've been blessed. Even though it is Silicon Valley, the most expensive place on the planet to live, like we're making it and we're doing okay. If that is you, I would ask you, prayerfully consider radical generosity. If you have never been radical in your generosity before, just ask God, might this be that time? I don't know if it is for you or not, but ask him. There are others of us here who would say, I love this church. I love it. It's been so helpful to me, but I don't actually give. I, I've never given here. I want to say as kindly, but as clearly as possible, now is the time. Just see what God does in your heart. I don't mean like health and wealth. Give, and then he'll bless you with a Ferrari. I have no. You might give and just have less money in your bank account. <laughs> but see what happens in your heart and in your mind. See what happens with your joy quotient. 
We are asking everyone and anyone who calls Westgate home, who has benefited from the ministry of this church family, to prayerfully give whatever God is asking you to give, not a penny more, not a penny less. And no one will know except our finance team, who have to like literally punch in your name and your number and send you your tax stuff. I won't know, our elders won't know, our team won't know. It's just between you and the Lord. So a few thoughts. The next few Sundays, yes, we'll be talking about here to stay, but we will be talking about so much more than that. Talking about what it means to live beyond ourselves and what God does in us to transform us as we do. We'll be talking about why we, want, we are so passionate about serving our city and our world, and we'll be talking about surrendering it all to God. Lisa will come up and talk more about this in a few moments, but on Sunday, February 4th, it is one week before the Super Bowl, so don't worry, you will not miss the Niners winning their sixth championship. Is it their sixth? Is it gonna be their sixth? Because it will be, this is a prophetic word, it will be their sixth. <laughs> Commitment Sunday is uh, February 4th, um, and Lisa will share some of that in details. I also wanna tell you, um, we have question and response times. I'm sure you, you wanna know more about the details. So we'll have a question and response here at our uh, Saratoga campus in the theater on Commitment Sunday, um, February 4th. Uh, at 12 o'clock, and then we've also got an um, easy uh, question and response time on Zoom on Monday, January 29th. You can scan the QR code, or in a moment, you'll all get these booklets that'll have all the info there, and you can just join us on Zoom. I'll be there for all of these, and you can ask whatever you want to, and I'd be happy to respond. I'm gonna invite Mark and the team to come back up. We're gonna sing and respond together here in a moment, but I wanna tell you a quick story and then pray for us before Lisa comes up and gives us a few further details. A year or two ago, I, was, um, I, I showed up to church one morning on a Sunday morning. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning or something. I came pretty early. And there was a car. It was a cold morning, and there was a car in the parking lot. And not many people were around at that point, but I saw this car in the parking lot, and I saw a young woman sitting in that car, and she looked a bit distraught, so I gently knocked on her window. And long story short, I discovered that she had come to meet with Ben Pierce, our care pastor. So I said, Ben should be here in a moment. It's cold. Why don't you wait inside? So I walked her into the office. A few moments later, Ben comes in. And then I see Ben and this young woman go into um, uh, the, one of our conference rooms. And there I can see them chatting. And I just go on about my day. And that Sunday happened to be a baptism Sunday. And so uh, all of our services, we only had two morning services at the time. So in both of our services, you know, we're baptizing people, we're celebrating. And those of you who've been here for a baptism Sunday, which is the best, um, I always invite folks in the room. Is there anyone in the room who didn't like sign up for, to be baptized today, but you feel God moving in you, compelling you, today is your day. Is there anyone in the room who just like today, you've made the decision to say yes to Jesus, you wanna get baptized. And um, it's the second service. I put that invitation out there and there, there's nobody, crickets, which is perfectly fine. So I'm about to end the service. I'm about to close the service. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see someone start walking to the baptism tank. And it's this young woman I had seen several hours earlier in our parking lot. And then I see Ben, our care pastor, right behind her walking up. And he's wearing board shorts. And he wasn't supposed to baptize anyone that day. So my first thought was like, whose shorts are you wearing? It's kind of weird, you know? But whatever. And Ben and this woman get into the water, and he baptizes her. 
And I find out later that week a bit more of the story. This young woman, shortly before she made her way to our church that morning, had been um, standing in a public place in our city, standing over a bridge, ready to end her life. And an older woman had been driving by that day, just happened upon this young woman, pulls over, gets out of the car, and asks her, please stop. I don't know you, you don't know me, but can we just talk? You don't have to do this. And thank God, long story short, this older woman is able to speak to this younger woman and literally talk her off the ledge and offers her a ride home. And so she is giving her a ride home and this young woman is broken and she starts telling the older woman why she was about to do what she was about to do. And the older woman says, I don't know how to help you. I don't, I'm sort of at a loss, but I'm not a religious person. But I know that down the road, there is a church. There's this church called Westgate, and I've got some friends who go there, and they seem to benefit from it. Can I connect you to this church? So she calls our church. This young woman gets connected to one of our pastors. And at the end of the services that morning, this young woman is baptized and finds new life in Jesus. Literally, literally, from death to life, from darkness to light. 20-something years ago, when I um, felt that God was asking me to become a pastor, I can guarantee you I did not decide, yeah, let's do it, because you know what would be super fun? Raising millions of dollars sounds like a good time. You know why I want to be a pastor? Because it'd be awesome to build big buildings. I don't care about building buildings. I don't really, really think hardly at all about raising money or money at all. What I care about is this community being here to stay with God for the good of all in our city and our world. To be a beacon of light and hope in the midst of death and darkness. So I don't know what God is going to do or not do. All I know is he is asking us to try. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 over us, and then invite Lisa to come and share a few more important details. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lisa's going to come and share a few more details.